Symphony of Shadows, Third Movement, Luce Spenta L'Ombra More, Homecoming, Phrase 2. Cybele watched impotently as the wreckage from Sornois' dropship scattered itself across the sky. The Golden Hind was starting to lose altitude as well, its sharp bow starting to point downward as smoke billowed upward. The cyborg had always prided himself on understanding the cold cruelty of the universe, how it broke everything in existence with a calculatingly random grace. And yet, this was pain to him, a pain he had not experienced perhaps since he was a child, perhaps Ever. He's gone, Cybele thought, not daring to think the name, as if that would make the death of his only true friend any less a reality. Dirty, growled Cybele into his comms, willing himself back to what he could control. Report. Line was dead, though. We need to save those people, shouted Knox, pointing to the hind. A few escape pods were already abandoning the ship. I'll handle it, said Goethe, wincing through obvious pain. No, you're... Oh, shut it, interrupted Goethe. I'll be fine. You figure out what's just happened. Where is the woman? asked Red, and her little friend. Knox looked around. She was just... She's been gone a while, added Cybele. Any idea where she could have gone? Back to the infirmary? Or perhaps her ship? Nox shook his head. What does it matter? I'd bet anything she's involved in this somehow, Red scowled. Word from Gerda is it's her fault we're all here in the first place. That's simplifying it a bit, said Nox, but his face told a different story. We did find some... Nox seemed to chew over his next words carefully, as if there was a bone in there he was trying not to choke on. Some people, he finally decided on. They've been here since the... Well, it's a long story. Whatever ships were on board started taking off and heading toward the hind, which was moments away from crashing. The ground shook with its collision, and the Firefox rocked against trembling water. Cybele stood firm, while others barely kept their footing. The rage in him was building, the truth settling in like a hot iron in the eye. Sonwa is dead. Zebel forced himself to think the name, shaking off the rust building in his mind. He needed to accept this and focus into a singularity. Who is going to pay for this? Help! A voice shouted, barely audible against all the noise and commotion on deck. Help! The hoarse scream came again. Zebel turned to see Jazz, who had bound another woman across her shoulders in a fireman's carry, and the boy, Greeny, had woods. The old captain swayed as if drunk, his eyes blinking slowly. Cybele approached and easily hoisted Woods to his feet, leading him to some stacked cargo boxes for him to sit. Cybele met eyes with the boy, who didn't flinch away from the look. His gaze shifted to the boy's gleaming hand, then back to his eyes. What's your name again, Grainy? Tane, he responded, and thanks for the help. Hey, that was convenient, said Red as Knox ran up to Jazz, who seemed about to collapse. Knox guided the prisoner to the ground, and Jazz hugged him. 
Tears spilled from her eyes. Weak, thought Cybele. But an alien feeling burst from his belly. Shame and a desire to shed his own tears, but unable to do so. Cybele felt at his metal skull. Felt nothing. He's dead, panted Jazz. So many. Red pointed at a ship about fifty paces away. That hers? she asked no one in particular. Jazz nodded. Red gave Cybele a look and they moved toward the ship together. We'll be right back, he said. Stay here. Cybele and Red approached the ship. Its cabin door was open, and even at a quick glance, Cybele recognized the horrible scene. A stained sheet lay across the floor, doing a poor job of hiding the now resiny dry blood. Gods be damned, shouted Red from another room. You're going to want to see this. Cybele followed Red's voice into the room. Cybele looked down at the bed where the pallid corpse of Wyatt lay. Aye, nodded Cybele, inspecting the man's wounds. Least he went quick. Not a mercy will return. Think she did it? Red wrinkled her nose at a smell Cybele could not experience. Jazz, I mean. Doubt it, said Cybele, leaving the room and searching the remainder of the ship. There was a pile of guns strewn across the floor, curiously. He stepped around them and into the cockpit. Cybele recognized Derby instantly and knelt to the floor. There was so much blood. It took Cybele another moment to realize Derby was on top of another body. He ignored the other corpse and opened Derby's control panel. A simple reboot should. Smoke erupted from the control panel. Cybele waved it away to find the cyborg's motherboard completely fried. No. Cybele clenched his teeth together and punched the floor. The clang of metal rang throughout the ship. What is it, Cy? asked Red as she entered the cockpit, then followed with, Oh, when she realized exactly what it was. That's a damn shame, she said with genuine remorse. A rare reaction from the woman, which was a spark that lit the cloud of gasoline that had built in Cybele's mind. He's dead, roared Cybele. Not sure if he was talking about Derby or Sornois. He stood swiftly and trotted back outside. Whoa, Cy, where are you going? Red shouted back at him. You're not going to leave me to deal with this alone, are you? Cy! Just ahead, Knox was still speaking with Jazz. Cybele easily pushed Knox aside and grabbed her by the front of her shirt, lifting her upward off the ground. Jazz struggled against the vice-like grip but was still exhausted from all that transpired. Not that being fully energized would have made a difference against Cybele's indomitable strength. What happened? Cybele spat, shaking Jazz. Sonois, Derby, both dead. His red eyes pulsed. And you know why. Tell me. Cybele looked to his arm to find another hand there, a robotic hand. Jazz was surprised to see Tane attached to that hand. Cybele looked down on him with all the disdain of an ant crawling on his arm. He seemed about to flick Tane away, but before he could, Tane placed his other hand on Cybele's arm and gently pushed it down. It wasn't her fault. I can tell you what happened. Just put her down, will you? Was this really Tane? thought Jazz. 
Or is this all a dream? Please, just be a dream. Cybele glared at Tane with his red, dead stare. The cyborg's eyes drifted to Tane's hand on his arm and to Jazz's astonishment loosened his grip. He tossed Jazz aside and she fell to her knees on the ground. Nox wrapped himself around her and gave Cybele a hard look. But the cyborg ignored him and turned his attention to Tane. It was her, Tane pointed to Jazz's mom. She and the other one on the ship killed Derby. They were spies marooned here when the Divine Republic sent a secret mission to this planet. The Dawnbreaker, Cybele growled. Tane nodded, surprised. And what about poor Sorny? asked Red. God's rest his soul. Sorny? asked Tane. You mean Sornwa? Hey, Red pointed behind Tane where he could see smoke starting to make the air a gray haze. Crashed right into his own ship. I knew the man had a bit of a god complex, but not the sort to ram his own ship. It was her, Jazz said, still snuggled into Knox's shoulder, where it was warm, where she was safe. Cybele turned menacingly toward Amira and approached where she lay quietly on the ground. As he did, Jazz disentangled herself from Knox and sprung upwards to place herself between the cyborg and her mother. Get out of my way! He shouted at her, but paused suddenly. Jazz could see why. Knox had unholstered his weapon and pointed it at Cybele's chest. Don't touch her. Cybele lifted his chest and spread his shoulders. And what will you do? Shoot me? How's Red gonna take that? Your crew? Everyone in orbit? Doubt you'd even get a shot off before I ripped her throat out. Both their throats. Cybele's fake white teeth shone from his jagged smile. You heard them. It was that woman. Knox remained silent, his brown eyes a desert. Might be I can change your mind, Knox, Red interjected. Knox kept his eyes fixed to Cybele, but Red continued. Found Derby dead on that ship, but he wasn't the only one. You're not going to like who else we found. Knox's eyes looked to Red for only a moment. It's Wyatt. You're lying, said Knox, looking to Jazz. She's lying. Tears started to form in Jazz's eyes again, and she nodded her head. She'd meant to tell him, but how could she? The pain of it was searing hot in her chest. She didn't expect things to become such a mess. Another mess. It was all her fault. Jazz's mother did not move. She was conscious again, but her face seemed painted on, an eerily satisfied smile on her face. You can go look for yourself, Knox, Red continued. Didn't you just swear to do what was best for Providence just moments ago? Seemed exacting justice on whoever this is would be a damned fine decision, especially considering the circumstances. Jazz watched as the desert of Knox's eyes turned to a sandstorm of emotions. Wyatt. Dead. Jazz couldn't believe it either. She'd seen it. Knox turned his pistol away from Cybele and fixed his sight on Amira. Jazz again turned herself, raising both her hands and activating her light shield should things get violent, which at this point seemed a certainty. 
How could you? He asked. After we saved you. Amira just continued smiling, her face still a mask. You know this scum? Asked Cybele. Eats. Nox considered and Jazz shook her head, hoping that he would lie. Jazz's mother. My mom, Jazz thought. A person she'd thought dead. A part of her identity that she had always been without, but never stopped yearning for. Her father was already dead. Did she really need to lose both of her parents so soon after they'd been reunited? Hadn't they been justified in their revenge? But Wyatt... Well, that's interesting, Red shouted, almost gleefully. A crowd was starting to form again as the first ships started returning from rescuing Sornois' crew. Gator told me all about Jazz, you know? About how all this mess is her fault. How she stole that god's damn drive and led us all to this shit planet. You say that's her ma? I wouldn't be surprised if everything she did was to get here, find her parents, and fuck the rest of us. I would, began Jazz, but Red steamrolled her. And boy, does this lass have her hooks in you, Knox. Look at yourself right now. Your cock is clouding what little good judgment you have. She's betrayed you, betrayed us, and Cybele and myself aren't going to let this pass. Not after you and I just swore to do what's best for Providence. Only the one bitch has to die, but I for one won't hesitate to make it a twofer. Murmurs started coming from the crowd, and from the sound of it, they were not pro-Jazz. Knox, pleaded Jazz, I can explain. But she knew she couldn't. Please, don't kill her. Get out of my way, a voice came from the crowd. Jazz kept her stance, but saw Switch appear, wielding a cane like it was a whipstick. He stopped the moment his eyes took in the scene. Jazz seemingly between everyone and her mother. Jazz understood the situation and how it would unfold. All she needed to do was step aside and leave her mother to these wolves. It was the right thing to do, and yet she did not move. Could not. Jazz, Switch said with such gentleness. His tone turned to fire as he looked at Amira. What have you done? Where's Nebu? He decided to paint the floor of that ship with his brains, Red smirked, but there was no mirth in the smile. A real masterpiece in there, if I ever did see one. And who are you? I'm her uncle, Switch pointed to Jazz. What is this, a goddamn family reunion? Cursed Red, but everyone ignored her. And that's my sister-in-law, who's put us all in so much danger. Who's caused so much pain? What have you done, Amira? I've closed the loop, she said, as if it was obvious. Revenge against my son's killer. And how many have you killed? shouted Switch. How many people have you hurt with your actions? Curse the both of you, Switch spat. You're responsible for the death of your son, but even more, you were responsible for Jazz, and you abandoned your second chance to learn from your mistake. Close the loop? You've closed no goddamn loop. Only open new ones. You're a seed of hatred germinating in the soil of everyone you touch. Give me a gun! Switch hoisted his hand to Knox. Knox shook his head. 
No, I'm not. But before he finished, a gun landed in Switch's hand. Jazz turned to see Red chuckling and Cybele with a frustrated look toward his now empty holster. I like where this is going, Red said, pulling a cigar out and lighting it. Switch pointed the pistol toward Amira, and Jazz shifted again in front of her. It was a material weapon, so her light shield wouldn't do shit against it, but Switch would never shoot her. You owe her nothing, Jazz. The best thing that could have ever happened to you was being left with me. She and my brother... He trailed off. He didn't need words to make his point. He's right, love, said Amira. I am ready to die. No, mom. You can't. We only just... But Jazz couldn't finish the sentence. Only just what, she thought. Amira seized on the hesitation. It's the right decision. You must see that. You must. I have lived my life, made my decisions, and I am prepared to pay the price. I have always been prepared for this day. Let him do it, Jazz. Jazz looked between her mother, who was now kneeling with her chin up toward her, and Switch, who had a pleading look on him. If someone doesn't kill her, Cybele added, I have no qualms about filling this woman with holes. My patience is running out, he said with barely contained rage. Jazz lowered her arms. There was no way out. Even her mother wanted to die. She'd been able to slip and stumble from one crisis to the next, but there was no escape from the undeniable reality of what came next. Tension was building. As the crowd grew larger, so did the grumbles. Every small movement was a reach for a weapon, an attempt at taking her mother's life, at taking control of an uncontrollable situation. I'll do it, Jazz said finally. Everyone reacted in their own way, but it was Switch who was closest. There's no need for you to- It has to be me, Jazz interrupted. Red's right. This is my fault. Might not have been my intention, but just like my parents, I've dragged people into my black hole of terrible luck. But we've all suffered because of decisions that were made long before any of us. Decisions that we had no control over. That's why it has to be me. My mom didn't close the loop, but I can. Jazz unholstered her pistol and pointed it toward her mother's head. I'm not you. You're not my family. Switch. Tane. Knox. They're my real family. And so is Wyatt. Jazz pressed the gun to Amira's head, and she closed her eyes gently. Do it, Amira whispered. Jazz tried to pull the trigger, but it was like trying to lift the shadow's edge. She heaved with her will to force her finger to squeeze, but it would not move. Switch put a hand on her shoulder, and then Knox came behind her and did the same. A tear trickled down her cheek, and then another. They dripped to the ground, counting out the seconds. Goodbye, Mom, Jazz said. Goodbye, love.
I'm so glad I was able to glimpse the woman you've become. The comment was like turning a key to start the engines. Jazz felt like she was looking down on herself, like it was Jasmine Azuro kneeling there, prostrating herself to death. And just like that, she pulled the trigger. A small pressure applied to a thin piece of metal, a flash of light, and it was done. The next moment, her mother lay sideways on the deck, a smile on her face and a hole in her head. Jazz jerked back and felt dizzy. Switch and Knox caught her, although Switch almost fell with his legs still weak. What a show! Red shouted with glee, smoke exploding from her mouth. I mean, my condolences and all, but shit, this is bananas. Jazz felt numb. She barely registered the words. Knox set her down beside Woods, who was just coming out of his stupor. We have to stop them, he mumbled. They're going to kill him. Must stop. Jazz looked to her pistol still in her hand. It didn't feel like her hand. How could her hand have done such a thing? Distracted, she wondered if this was how Tony felt now. She willed herself to loosen her grip on the weapon. When that didn't work, she used her other hand to untangle her fingers until the pistol fell to the ground. Others started speaking around Jazz, but it all sounded distant and muffled. It felt like she was naked in space. She looked out to where smoke filled the sky and ships began returning with people, most alive, many injured. But all she could notice was the silence and a sharp ring of horror that screeched through her mind. She closed her eyes and clamped her hands to her ears, hoping that would stop it, but it only grew louder. Suddenly, Jazz felt someone place a hand on hers, pulling it down into her knee. She expected it to be Knox, but instead she found Tane there. With his metal hand, he took her other hand away. He didn't say anything, just looked at her, but the last thing Jazz needed right now was words. You really think we're family? Tane finally asked. Of course we are, Tane. You annoy the shit out of me, and I've been more than tempted to murder you a few times, but... I'm sorry, he said, for how much of a perv I've been with you. You're just so... amazing. Sometimes I feel like I can't control what I feel, but that's no excuse. I'm here for you. We're here for you. Always. Amazing, Jazz thought shamefully. What a load of shit. Jazz nodded. Thanks, Tane. I think I need to be alone right now, though. She pushed back the tears and the loneliness that threatened to consume her. But thank you. Are you sure? asked Tane, unconvinced. I'm sure, Jazz said without much confidence in her voice. She pulled her hands away from Tane. I'll be fine. Jazz stood and walked away, looking for someone who could remove the corpses in her ship. She'd silenced Wit, not sure if she could ever trust the AI again. Not sure 
if she could trust anyone ever again. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio, written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse, that's the number two, or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com.